Dear listeners, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashant Hindlayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind. The discussion is on the Ramkatha Raswahini, a book written by Swami. And today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st January 2016. Have a listen please. Offering a most humble pranam to Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's afternoon satsang. As always, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai, and with me is Arvind. And we are here for this week's Ramakatha Raswahini. As always, we begin by ruminating over the most nectarous and sweet name of Lord Sri Rama. On the other end of it, we'll continue with the Sundar Kandam, the most beautiful and enthralling part of the Ramayana. Sri Rama Rama Rame Ki Rame Rame Mano Rame Sahasra Nama Tatulyam Rama Nama Varanane We bow down at the feet of our little Lord Sai Rama who had graced the Treta Yuga as the tall Lord Sri Rama. We also offer our salutations at the lotus feet of Lord Hanuman who is always present wherever the Ramkatha, the story of Rama is sung or narrated. With that we proceed to the point where we had left off and in order to bring our listeners up to speed i would like to briefly recapitulate what has happened so far hanuman has traveled all the way to lanka crossing the mighty ocean overcoming all obstacles he enters lanka makes acquaintance with vibhishana gets to know this wonderful devotee of the lord and with his help is able to locate mother sita in the ashokavana a special garden that ravana has maintained there hanuman witnesses the way ravana and the other demonesses around treat mother sita they actually threaten her and they blackmail her emotionally psychologically they are trying to break her down into accepting ravana as her master sita is valiant brave powerful and strong in resisting the moves of ravana but once away from the view of ravana and the demonesses sita actually reveals her soft side her emotional side especially to two demonesses who are not demonesses that is the wife of vibhishana sarama and the daughter of vibhishana trijata so that is when trijata narrates the dream that she has had of how a monkey is going to come and rampage through lanka 
at that point in time when hanuman meets mother sita she is thrilled the conversation ensues between them hanuman offers to carry mother sita back to lord sri rama and one entire satsang a large part of it was spent on this discussion between mother sita and hanuman on how mother sita convinces hanuman that that is not the right way she wants her master to come directly and pick her up and that is the story so far having heard all this hanuman decides that it is wrong to spend any more time in lanka because the sooner he communicates mother sita's plight mother sita's prayers to lord rama it would be better and therefore offering his obeisances to mother sita he begins to leave and move out of the ashokavana right and uh, probably a little bit of uh, reminiscing about some things which have happened you know it's a beautiful pattern that you can see ever from the point where you see rama going to mother kaikeyi and requesting her to play that important role which would defame her forever mm. and uh, then you know rama coming and asking mother sita to do this thing of going to lanka so that the mission taken forward also this is a pattern that you see where the lord takes the help of the devotee hmm. or rather that you know that surrender he uses that as the greatest strength to strike at the root of evil this is something which you would see in many other stories too you, you see that even in the case of uh, prahlada you know hmm. it's almost like uh, the lord sends one of his finest devotees into the home of hiranyakashipu to go and attack him and so, hiranyakashipu is the one who hates him the most right it's almost like you would see that in many places where the transformation starts with the devotee the lord would put a devotee for the people who are just seeing it it might appear like you know why is god being so cruel he's sending the best of his best to the worst possible place hmm. but in many ways it's almost like that devotee with his devotion or with her devotion and surrender paves way for the lord to come in and you know establish himself in that place of evil when you say about the lord sending the best of his best i was just reminded of the analogy that you know carbon carbon is the element that constitutes coal charcoal graphite at the same time it is carbon that makes the diamond also but you know you put a piece of coal into fire it just burns away diamond which is supposed to be the pinnacle that carbon can right. reach it is said diamonds are forever and other than god there's nothing that lasts forever so diamonds seem to come closest to god that same carbon becomes a diamond and once it's a diamond put it through fire put it through pressure put it through anything nothing actually affects the diamond and i feel that is what happens in the case of a devotee also every one of us is made of are composed in the same manner you know bodily of the five elements with the same mental faculties it's a lot of carbon <laughs> yes it, yes all yes. of us are carbon the same jeevatma and it is our sadhana and the way we lead life that makes us either a piece of coal or diamond if we are a piece of coal we have to worry about you know actually the lord has to worry about coal yeah. not going into fire but you even end up feeding the fire yes you actually feed the fire <laughs> exactly i really feel that's what happens that is why swami emphasizes on keeping good company keeping a company of not only company in the sense of uh, uh, the friends and acquaintances we make but also the kind of thoughts that we entertain in our head because we are keeping company of those thoughts because if we are like coal we will be feeding the negative things that is why it has to be protected but once we become like diamonds the lord can safely put us in the fire because he knows that though it looks like a cruel act you are casting something into the fire the diamond is going to come out unscathed and in fact that is the reason why the greatest devotees of the lord are put through fire because actually nothing touches them in the sense the lord rama knew that though in the drama things happen kaikeyi will remain untouched 
nothing will move her from her resolve to stick by and help lord rama even if it means giving up her own self respect nothing will move mother sita she will be ready to you know undergo whatever for the sake of rama it's the same thing with prahlada nothing is going to happen to him nothing will make him change his love for narayana and that is what we see actually mother sita comes unscathed and today mother kaike stands redeemed thanks to swami it might have taken generations but i think once the devotee reaches that level becomes like the lord only i remember an occasion where when a person told him mm-hmm. swami you know we waited for so many days for you and still you didn't call us swami said you know how many lifetimes i have waited for you but i have no problem because i am an epitome of patience i feel once the devotee reaches the level of the lord he or she also becomes an epitome of patience so i don't think mother kaike ever would have felt bad that you know for the sake of rama i have fallen in the eyes of the world and i don't think she would have minded waiting for two yugas for the lord to come and redeem her again it's like a quote which i read long back and i said i don't know the perfect answer or perfect recipe for success hmm. but ask me for the perfect recipe for disaster i know what it is <laughs> trying to please everybody yes you know it's such a profound thing a devotee actually goes through this journey of you know from pleasing your society from pleasing the family from pleasing your peers and people around you it is enough if i please my lord you know that journey is what epitomizes the journey of devotion itself after that, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you you know after you lived and gone or even if you're living and the society is mocking at you it doesn't matter to you because i have pleased the one person who matters and that's all really matters and other thing is just a waste of time it's akin to an actor concentrating on pleasing the director because you know that is what is going to get him or her his or her future role is the director sees the bigger picture not yes. anybody else and uh, in the movie or in the play you may have people misunderstanding but you know that it's only temporary because that is how the director has scripted it so it doesn't matter whether you misunderstand me or whether you love me i'm not attached to you because you love me i don't hate you because you misunderstand me because i know this is just the script of the director and it is only temporary and i know if the director just changes makes a tweak in the sentence there the script can change so just as an actor is most concentrating on impressing the director i think that's what a true devotee Absolutely. does in fact uh, probably a mention wouldn't be out of place we had one elderly person uh, taking care of the seating arrangement in the mandir raja reddy garu you know we lost him a couple of weeks back now he was almost like a lion over there you know strike terror in the hearts of everybody would come close mm-hmm. a very strict person and sometimes even comes across as rude but you know the way he passed away till 9:30 as always he was in the mandir you know doing some arrangement and decoration work and all that after 9:30 he goes back home and sleeps next morning they go to wake him up to get the keys of one of the storerooms that's because he didn't turn up in right, the mandir he didn't turn up in the morning and he was no more he had just very silently you know slipped away in his sleep and uh, the other day we happened to talk to one of the people who had come as sevadal from the delhi uh, organization Mm. So he was he had served for about one year or one week in the mandir and he wanted to just pay a courtesy visit to Raja Reddy Garu before he returns to Delhi. So that night actually the day before he passed away he had gone to his house and he said he was a completely different person. He was a completely different person so warm so welcoming and I mean he couldn't place these two personalities together and that's when it struck him that you know here was a person who probably has completely buried his warm nature just to play that role for swami and you know swami's uh, mandir and i think that's what really matters to all of us i think it's a lesson all of us have to really take to heart that if we decide that 
I want to please only this one person who matters to me in my life and that's Swami. I don't care what friends look at me as, my teachers might look at me differently, my children might look up to me and say, you're such a fool. It doesn't really matter to me. One disclaimer possibly here is that while we think that we have to please only Swami, I feel if I am being rude to someone as part of my duty, I feel, you know, this is a very thin line, but a very important line because I have to remember that I am being rude or I am being strong, I am being whatever because my duty demands so and genuinely not harbor any ill feeling towards that person. True, absolutely. That's what Swami showed us. You know, The way Swami would behave, definitely there were times when Swami was, as we would say that Rudravatar would come angry. out, you know, hmm. angry and you could see Swami's eyes red. But you know that it was so selfless, that anger, that the next moment it could just cool down like, you know. You can't imagine that a person with emotion would do that. Because, you know, I think I've narrated this once or twice before, but this is an example that keeps powerfully reminding me of this truth, that when I'm doing something for Swami, for the sake of Swami, without bringing in my own bias and judgment I have to do. It's not that I have succeeded in doing that, but I try to keep reminding myself of that because of this incident that was narrated to me of one more such servitor of the Lord mm-hmm. who was apparently very rude and later on we get to know, now we know that this rudeness was something that he genuinely felt also, you know, that he himself was angry on people and but there was no doubt about his loyalty to Swami and how he served Swami. Towards his last few days, unlike Raja Redigaru who passed away peacefully in sleep, he had a lot of trouble. In fact, from what I heard, he was lying on his own bed with boils and skin rashes and he had difficulty even going to answer the call of nature. He had dirtied his own bed. He was lying in that mess. And Swami walked to his room and nursed him actually. And that is when I heard that this devotee asked Swami actually, Swami, I have served you all my life. I have been loyal to you all my life. Why is it that I am meeting such a sad fate? Swami said, no, this is not a sad fate. This is a good fate. I have come to your room all the way. Obviously, the devotee was not referring to that, but he was referring to the fact that nobody came to see him. He was lonely. Nobody seemed to care for him. Swami then went on to say that, see, you served me and cared for me. That is why I have come. But sadly, you served and cared for nobody else. That is why nobody else is coming. So that is why I say it is absolutely a must that we put Swami as first priority. But after that, it should be our sadhana to ensure that, now say suppose somebody comes barging into Radio Sai and starts screaming and says this has to go, I have had a great experience, this has to go on uh, on air immediately. Of course, we can't allow that. There is some decorum to be maintained, there are some principles. So there is no way I am going to allow that person. And if I need to be firm or strong with him or her, we have had one or two cases where people have tried to barge in. We have to be firm. But at that time, when I am being firm, I have to remember that I am being firm only for the sake of achieving this purpose. Five minutes later, if I meet that person on the street, I should have no negative or ill feeling towards that person. Seems like a very challenging thing, but that is the kind of expectation that Swami has from us as his devotees or as his children. Absolutely. I think the reason why that happens is, of course, you know, most of us do this, we actually look for the stamp of spirituality for whatever we already do in life. Mm. You know, that's why transformation becomes so important that, you know, how much have you changed because Swami has walked into your life. That becomes so important and critical in a devotee's life. And the other thing is power always corrupts. You know, when you reach a place where you can say yes or no, 
where you can say that I have the authority to give permission or not. That power corrupts and what better and what more perfect an example than Hanuman, you know, whom we are talking about. Here is a person who is a repository of power, I mean he's the might with that he commands is so enormous, but that constant repetition of, you know, this is not my strength, this is not my strength, I belong to the Lord, you know, all my talents and all my power belongs to the Lord. The amount of control over that power that brings, you know, allows him to remain in a state where that power can never touch the mind, power can never corrupt. With your statements, you triggered two thoughts, one related to Hanuman, which is, yes, right now we will be seeing a form of Hanuman that we can never imagine a devotee of the Lord to have, form of such fury and such fury, we will be covering that in today's satsang, that is one thought. The other thing is, you know, when you said power corrupts, I remember seeing a television serial, it was so beautiful, you know, it also explains why Hanuman was not corrupted with power, because in that, it is from the Mahabharata where mother Kunti is speaking to her son Karna. Karna doesn't know that she is my mother, but Karna apparently indulges in some unrighteous acts, is ready to do anything for the sake of, you know, becoming a crown and getting his due, what he feels is his due. Forget all that. Even if you don't know that story, her statement is so beautiful. You know, she tells, why is it that power corrupts? This is a question she asks herself. Then she says, I don't think power corrupts. Because if power is a thing that corrupts, she gives the examples of her own sons, uh, Yudhishthira, other sons, Yudhishthira, Bhima. She says, they are powerful, they are also kings, they were ruling at Indraprastha at that time. They are not corrupt. Even if we forget that example, there have been many kings in the history of the world who have not been corrupt, who have not been corrupted by power, who have not become megalomaniacs. So, if power corrupts absolutely, then we should not have any king who is good. The conclusion that Mother Kunti draws, you know, it thrilled my heart because it is so significant. Again, a fine line. She says, power does not corrupt. The thirst for power, the greed for power is what corrupts. And that is the reason a person who is greedy for power, even if he or she is not powerful, will still be a megalomaniac, will still be corrupted. On the other hand, how much ever powerful a person may be, if that person is not actually greedy or thirsting for power, will always be a gentle, noble person. That is why we come across such wonderful kings also in history. So, I feel that is the difference. Though Hanuman has great power, he has not actually craved for that power. That power has just come to him because of who he is. Means I feel the universe is nothing but the Lord has its own way of rewarding the people who deserve power to get power. You know, So, Hanuman, he... Along with great power comes great responsibility. And that great responsibility is there because Hanuman actually does not crave for that power. He is just happy in the thoughts of Lord Sri Ram. And in that he has received all these powers. And that is why he is able to even use these powers in a manner that is befitting of a devotee. This is probably a discussion for an entire satsang. But you know what I feel in this is, you know there is a sense of a desire to control in every human being. Hmm. If you look at it, almost every person has this desire to control or uh, wield control over something or somebody else. Hmm. And in many ways, our roles in society actually puts us in situations where we can satisfy that need for control in many ways. Hmm. Like, you know, in a family, there is a certain sharing of control. The husband has control over some things. The wife has control over some things. Hmm. When you go into professional life, you have control over a few subordinates and there is that desire to become, you know, go h- higher up that ladder mm. because you'll have more control over more people. 
there are some people who, who prefer to have control over their own lives mm-hmm. in the sense of they would like to have a disciplined life they would like to have a certain amount of you know time scheduling in their day and so they desire to right, have that there is this control which takes many many forms and the, the whole idea of spirituality is can you completely turn this control inwards can this be control over your thoughts over your senses over your you know mental faculties mm. and devotion is a tool which aids in that mm. and that is why in a certain sense you're allowed to satisfy this control through family life through your societal living through your friends you, know, you would always even with friends you would have some people who would like to have their control in the form of influence like i say something and my friends listen to it that desire for that that a certain amount of groupism which happens hmm. if we can convert all these inward and turn inward and that is what the entire spirituality is all about you know what your rishis and uh, all people have been telling can you turn it inward and have this perfect control over your entire being and i feel looking at hanuman it becomes evident that once you get that kind of a control controlling outside becomes an automatic given right. you know once you achieved absolute inner control outer control becomes a given and this is a subject of many books many movies i remember this recent animation movie not recent a few years back the kung fu panda right. part 2 i think it was all about the inner peace and inner control and towards the end this panda which is the protagonist of the movie achieves that inner peace and inner control because of which it's able to control you know cannon balls fired at it and all such things so though it looks fantastic it's an animation and people enjoy it that thought is there that thought is definitely there because it seems to make sense when you see you don't feel hey this is fiction this is rubbish you actually appreciate that animation movie and you admire it in your heart because somewhere deep below that truth is embedded in each one of us that if i gain control over my inner enemies over the arshad vargas over my senses over my mind master the mind be a mastermind i automatically i am able to achieve great control in the outside world also and as we said that is what hanuman does because he tells mother sita his final words and he says mother please don't worry very soon lord ram will be here along with his brother lakshmana and lord rama will annihilate ravana he'll defeat the demonic forces and then rescue you and that is when you know sita says i don't know whether this is a test or whether this is her emotion she just says hanuman you know how will a horde of monkeys defeat this mighty army of demons they are treacherous they are cruel they don't care for anything they are very powerful they wield kind of weapons that are unimaginable how will a horde of monkeys defeat and hanuman you know he actually amplifies and exemplifies what all we have been speaking now he says that he correct mother sita actually he says mother it's not that we are going to defeat you know what for us our life breath is rama rama nama for us rama is everything so when rama is everything for us it is not as if we are doing anything it is lord rama who will do and he will achieve and that is when you know hanuman there is that line from the hanuman chalisa which says sukshma roop dhari siya hi dikhava vikata roop dhari lanka jalava which means he shows one gentle lovely sweet form little form to mother sita but then he takes up the other form with which he burns lanka so he tells mother sita that mother you know with the grace of lord shri ram when we come for battle you know how we will be coming and then hanuman begins to grow he grows grows into a huge gigantic golden figure you know which is seems to be towering over lanka 
and mother sita she says yeah, enough hanuman enough you know on one hand she is odd but on the other hand she says hanuman enough enough you know become small again because if you'll be seen you you will be seen and caught <laughs> right that's the beautiful thing that happens there but immediately hanuman says you know that's the beautiful uh, way in fact even earlier that dialogue which we uh, spoke about where hanuman says that you know just by taking rama's name i could come across this ocean do you think that you know we will be uh, any less formidable than this army in lanka even as i was reading this you know if this was going to be made into a modern day movie mm-hmm. many times because we are, we are so familiar with the story we don't uh, appreciate the nuances of the emotions the characters portray sometimes you know here is sita in the middle of lanka which is actually a demon uh, kingdom mm-hmm. and if you imagine a demon kingdom if you imagine demons if you imagine you know even when they portray barbarians in the movies it's so uh, blood chilling actually prem you know i was thinking when you said this the other day i was walking on the road i saw one dog barking and coming okay okay and there was another place where i saw a monkey charging mm. i just felt you know then when i tried to scare the monkey the monkey you know growls at me and i got a bit scared then i was thinking what bravery of this monkey you know it is one monkey surrounded by about 100 humans there Mm-hmm. and it has the you know thing to challenge me i was just imagining what would happen if the roles were reversed what if i was alone there surrounded by 100 monkeys <laughs> the thought was really scary because i thought one monkey with 100 other humans i'm fearful of scaring in the same case i imagine with dogs you know it feels scary if they're charging and barking i can't imagine myself around three dogs forget 100 dogs then what to speak of these rakshasas right, rakshasis very true because mother sita is sitting there and she looks around she has women guard she has these rakshasis guarding and they are no less terrorizing than the other rakshasas and now she is imagining you know an army of thousands and thousands of such ruthless rakshasas so from her point of view we look at it when she says that you know wonder how you know rama and lakshman as just two individuals can come and she has already discounted the monkey army right, <laughs> they, they can't do anything you know when way. we read it or when we imagine the ramayana i mean we know that what is going to happen you know after all it's god and after all it's adi sesha who's come as lakshmana but forgetting all of that if you look at it if you just read the way probably valmiki would have written it i mean it's such a thrilling story you know here is this really savage kingdom and these two princes were trying to break through it and now what happens with hanuman is amazing the way swami has written it the way swami would narrate it in his discourses it's so very thrilling absolutely in fact this description that has been given here is again i feel a very powerful metaphor for what we come across in life you know being on the side of god or being on the side of good we often feel that you know what it doesn't pay to be good because good is often very weak good is often meek good will get trampled upon that's what it appears like in the world like you know we all of us would have lamented the way mother sita laments in our day to day things when we see corruption when we have to get some work done anything you see it feels as if like being good is being weak being evil being cunning being scheming that is what is power that is what is helping at such time i feel we should learn to imbibe the faith that hanuman has you know just imagine two human beings with a horde of monkeys coming to defeat demons but hanuman has absolutely no doubt but again another important thing to learn is not that you just sit silent in that faith hanuman did not sit silent he has put in 100% effort in fact more than 100% if possible in searching for sita i mean if 
the way he has faith in lord shri rama that the very breath he is taking is because of rama everything that is functioning in the universe is because of rama he could have just sat there and said hey don't worry guys you know all of us let us sit here rama will send us on search but don't worry he is in charge of the universe if he wants he will find he didn't do he put in his 100% and irrespective of the odds that came against him he never felt that oh my god how is rama going to deal i really have no idea how this is going to happen it was almost as if he said i don't care how it happens i know it is going to happen because rama is rama i feel that is how we should also imbibe lesson and do our 100% try our best and though it might seem like it's an insurmountable obstacle there is something that can never be cleaned up that is when we have to use our faith to reinforce ourselves so effort and faith i think should go hand in hand always and the other thing is sometimes when we go through some of these mythological stories from our epics some things are frozen in our mind you know we think that hanuman is a deity hanuman is divinity so in that sense we sometimes don't relate to some of these characters as devotees and that is the beauty that happens when you have somebody like swami in your life when we have seen swami we have seen enormous things being achieved just through that devotion that people have had for swami and when you look at the story at this point the sundarakandam you know many times it's like seeing when you see a drama or when you read a novel when you see that victory is being achieved by goodness there's a sense of achievement and victoriousness which fills your own heart when you see the movie mm-hmm. or when you see that's the joy which you get when you see hanuman going out there and you know the same thing if you put a negative character in hanuman's place <laughs> i mean because Our what right, what he is doing is actually just probably violence in that sense but when you see that goodness has, has that power goodness has that reinforcement when you have that devotion you have that power to go out there with that you know nobody can beat me attitude and that is what we have to carry from this episode because that is the strength which just taking the name of the lord gives and that's the lesson hanuman is giving here in fact I feel reading the next few paragraphs in the book Swami emphasizes so much that don't be proud of your own power and strength because it is nothing you know what happens next we'll just narrate it so that it makes sense you know Hanuman he's walking out he's hungry he has traveled so far he's hungry he has not and had he's any not food he's not eaten anything till he till he meets mother sita, mother sita. so he goes to the orchard there and starts feasting on the fruits which is natural for a monkey a monkey has its food from the trees and when this is noted this is ravana's favorite garden so some guards try to come and you know use sticks and stones to shoo away the monkey and when they try to hurt hanuman he just delivers a slap and the person goes reeling that uh, demon and he's amazed but he's also scared at this powerful monkey he goes and reports it to the superiors they try the possibly the head gardeners they come and they to meet the same fate they're not able to chase away the monkey soon this keeps building up into a problem of gigantic proportions so much so that the army has to be summoned that you know there is a menacing monkey in the garden and when the army soldiers are also beaten up black and blue that is when they go to ravana and they tell the king that you know there is something terribly happening you know we have tried everything and ravana is also shocked and i think he is also reminded of the word of caution that brahma brahma gives brahma is actually his great grandfather you know brahma has given ravana that when a monkey enters and does this in lanka remember that your end is near so possibly that also makes him little more nervous and that nervousness expresses itself as anger and ravana then you know sends out a battalion you know it's possibly an overkill 
but ravana wants an 100% assurance so he doesn't mind making an overkill so he sends out battalions of his army and this is the point where i'm saying about how swami emphasizes that it is the lord's grace and not hanuman's might of course the lord's grace becomes hanuman's might because of his devotion but swami says that hanuman broke a small dry twig <laughs> later on if we see swami also writes about how hanuman uproots an entire tree and swings around so hanuman has that power in the sense he has the strength to uproot a tree but swami writes that he broke a little twig from the tree and using the twig he thwarted the attack of all the weapons that were hurled at him and he defeated the entire hold you know which as i read that i almost felt that you know what is the difference between a person who is able to carry 40 kilograms more than me because hanuman is so much powerful compared to any of us but what hanuman did even i and you could do you know i can break and hold a twig and turn it around that's all that hanuman did the rest of it is what his devotion did so you know when i read that it encouraged me so much because i need not be as powerful as intelligent as supreme as fantastic as hanuman if only i can be as devoted as hanuman i can also achieve what he did because what hanuman achieved is not because of his strength and intelligence and prowess but because of his devotion it is devotion that confers on you everything else so it was very heartening in that sense and i feel in order to encourage us and make us feel that none of us are weak all we need is devotion swami has written this paragraph in that manner where he says that hanuman just breaks one little twig from the tree twirls it around thwarts all the weapons defeats the entire battalions and gets ravana very very worried and the other day i was seeing a, a program on tv this was about uh, science and sports hmm. like how they do scientific research in sports and uh, you know he was bringing across the point that many times your body gives up much faster than it should give up actually hmm so he said uh, that no at some point your brain sends you the signal saying that you're tired when you're actually not tired your muscles are not really tired possibly so, you're 70% tired right so they do an experiment like that where you know one, the man is asked to hold up two weights mm-hmm. with his arms stretched out and uh, he holds it for about 3 and a half minutes and uh, then they do some scientific calculations from his muscles capacity and then they said that you are actually giving up 40% earlier than you should actually give up oh, okay. so then they put him through a certain amount of mental training and there is a certain procedure which they usually put sportsmen through so that the person who is athlete or a sportsman is able to give his best in that situation increase endurance right so when they do that they see that he is actually able to give more of his mental uh, strength mm. and this is just the mental ability and now when you look at hanuman you know hanuman gives that's that beautiful verse where he says that when i think i'm the body i'm a servant of the lord when i think i'm the mind i'm a aspect of the divinity or i'm a spark of that divine so many ways if you see when you it so much depends on what you think in your mind and here is hanuman going on thinking that i am the emissary of the lord i am the devotee of the lord and i have come here carrying his name and will and i am stronger so it's almost like the ability to increase your even physical prowess is so much depending on what you think in your mind and it's scientifically proven but here is hanuman really acting it out and showing what it happens that's what happens you know uh, ravana sends his son akshay kumara actually i was just looking through apparently ravana has seven sons okay okay seven sons he has six brothers and two sisters Mm-hmm. the sons i could not memorize because it's very uh, difficult names but the brothers and sisters pretty easy we know two brothers that is kumbhakarna and vibhishana kubera is his eldest brother 
apparently right, right. and That's yes right. and khara and dushana the two whom rama annihilates before the army when um, shurpanaka comes right that khara dushana there is brothers and there is one ahiravana who right. figures in some of the ramayana he is the ruler of the, the patala part, right the nether world he'll come in the latter part after indrajit's fall so these are the six brothers the two sisters there's one kumbini who is his elder sister mm-hmm. and the name you know resemblance to kumbakarna so right. kumbini is there and the other one of course is shurpanaka so it's quite a big thing so he also has three wives mandodri is just one of them so seven sons one of the sons is akshay kumara whom he sends with an army and akshay kumara is supposed to be almost as brave as ravana but he is killed by hanuman right. akshay kumara and the entire thing is entire army is killed by hanuman which makes uh, ravana very angry and you know prem after this he summons uh, meghnath meghnath is also called indrajit megha is cloud and nath meghnath is lord of the clouds who is indra and uh, indrajit gets this name because he defeats indra when he defeats indra he becomes indrajit and therefore he is now the new lord of the clouds so he is also called meghnath so this is what happens and i just feel unless you got something to add here prem this is a nice time to take a break and relive the glory of this hanuman you know we should listen to the hanuman chalisa which has been so beautifully rendered by bharat ratna ms subalakshmi and uh, this hanuman chalisa is basically a kind of summary of this whole sundara kanda and it glorifies the power of rama that expresses itself through hanuman absolutely nothing more to add just that if it matters akshay kumar dies in one line in ramkatha rasvaini <laughs> so we just says that hanuman killed him in a trice that's all it is and you know that's again to showcase that amount of power that hanuman was exhibiting there it's so thrilling this part where you see that heroism of a devotee that's what is so very heartening for us to go through and as you said so beautifully rendered and uh, when we go after this the episodes which come you can see what a beautiful character beautiful personality hanuman is one hand is this mighty powerful warrior who's matchless at the same time the scholarship that he shows at the same time the finesse and the diplomacy in his words and the way he spoke about how he speaks with mother sita you know the humility with which he speaks almost perfect complete package <laughs> so as you said the hanuman chalisa in the beautiful voice of ms subalakshmi dear listeners is just 8 minutes long so keep your sets tuned in enjoy this of course you can also take a break as we take a break be there after 8 minutes because it's going to continue but yes of course keep listening to this beautiful tune निजमन मुकुर सुधार भरणो रघुबर विमल यश जो उदायक फल चार बुद्धि Yeah. 
जय कपीजति भुलोक उजागर राम दूत अतुलित बल धाम अंजन पुत्र पवन सुत नाम महावीर विक्रम बजरंगी कुमति निवार सुमति के रंगी हाथ भद्र औजा विराज कांधे मुझने साज शंकर सुमन केशरी नंदन तेज प्रताप महाजगवंदन वेद्यावान गुणि अति चातुर राम काज करो आतुर प्रभु Shakar 
Welcome back dear listeners, what we just heard was the Hanuman Chalisa very beautifully and very very melodiously rendered by Bharat Ratna M.S. Subhalakshmi and coming back to the story we are in the point where Ravana sends one of his sons Akshay Kumara and he is slain Ravana sends the next king and in many many uh, narrations of the Ramayana it is often spoken that Indrajit or Meghanada as he is referred to in the Ramakataraswaini he is actually more powerful in many ways than Ravana himself. He is almost like the befitting crown prince of Lanka. He is such a valorous one and he is sent with a huge horde of army to tackle this monkey who is till now nobody has a clue who this monkey is. But already I think rumors have all started among the citizens that this is a person who has come in response to Ravana's kidnapping of Mother Sita. And at this point Indrajit comes and uh, he finds that as you said, you know, for the previous army, it was just a twig, but when Meghnada comes and a huge army surrounds Hanuman and they start firing arrows around him, Hanuman very casually picks up a huge tree, uproots it and swings it around so violently and so swiftly that he, that's how he protects himself from all the arrows that are fired. And in fact, these arrows are repulsed and they go and hit the people who are firing them and some of them lose their lives. And that's how even uh, Meghnada falls unconscious for a while. And then he gets up and he says that this is no ordinary foe. He needs to be tackled in a different way. And he brings out his trump card. Mm -hmm. And he fires what finds a reference in many epics. And that is the Brahmastra. Mm -hmm. And which is a special weapon which is obtained from Lord Brahma after uh, immense penance. And very, very few characters in history are credited to have possessed this very powerful weapon. It's said that nobody can stand against this weapon. And it's that weapon which Meghnata brings out and fires a Brahmastra against Hanuman. And uh, Hanuman has great regard and respect for Brahmastra. Because of which he actually doesn't try to fight it. He just bows respectfully to it and the Brahmastra comes and binds Hanuman. You know, this is again metaphorical and a powerful thought comes into my mind. But before expressing that thought... You just triggered me off on the Brahmastra. I was just thinking, you know, Brahma is considered as the creator. He is the greatest creative force in the universe. And look at it, the Brahmastra, which is Brahma's gift, is the greatest destructive force in the universe. Isn't it amazing? I just felt, again, this is another metaphor towards the Dvaita dualities. We often seek happiness in isolation without sorrow. We want light, we don't like darkness. But I feel... The nature of the dual universe is such that one cannot exist without the other. And that is why possibly our scriptures metaphorically use this where Brahma is the greatest creative force in the universe and the weapon that comes from him is the greatest destructive force in the universe. Very true. And uh, it's the other point also is so beautiful that you know I think this happens in some other places in uh, the epics also hmm. where the Brahmastra is responded with humility and with reverence. You'll have to read up a little. Brahmastra does not kill a person who submits to it, hmm. possibly. And that's why Hanuman is not killed, but he's bound. And uh, I think Indrajit is more than happy to have bound Hanuman because he has this ability now to take him to his father's court and present him before the king. From what I remember of reading that you can quell Brahmastra either with yeah, humility or with another Brahmastra. Another Brahmastra right. So anyway, one other thought that I got, which I said the powerful thought was, see... Hanuman, nothing was able to touch him because Rama is supreme and doesn't care for anything. 
the moment he regards respects and bows down to the brahmastra it comes and binds him off as a slightly tangential thought what i thought was that what we value and what we give respect to we have to take great care of it you know i'll explain how in what context i'm saying because it is only what we respect and give value to that is capable of binding us just like when hanuman gave importance and respect to the brahmastra the brahmastra could bind him i'm reminded of that story of lord buddha walking down the street and someone coming and hurling abuses at him and lord buddha is not bothered at all and when it is asked later he says when someone gives you a gift which you don't accept what happens they say it goes back to the sender so to buddha says the gift of the words that you are abusing me with i refuse to accept it so it comes back to you in fact swami in his discourses would say if somebody scolds you if they do it in their mind it remains within them if they do it loudly it goes into the air why should you accept it so the moment you don't give value and don't give importance to somebody being critical or somebody accusing you somebody abusing you nothing actually can bind you if at all i am bogged down by people's criticism by people's abuses by what other people think you know all those thoughts if i am bogged down if i am tied down by it it's only because i am giving value and importance to it so again i feel it's another important lesson from hanuman that we should choose and see what and who we give value to and we should see whether who and what we are giving value to is worth that value most of the time in our lives we give value to all the nonsensical idiotic unnecessary things that is why we get scared of possibly people in power possibly our managers we are afraid of our critics you know while we take our family for granted we take people whom we love for granted you see it's always the opposite because on the negative we give value and importance and respect while we take for granted the positives and good that is why our priorities are so lost and we are not able to become achievers in the world like hanuman if we are able to choose what we give value and respect to because let us remember what we give value and respect to alone is able to quell us or bind us that is why it is said that when you give your heart to someone it doesn't mean that that person doesn't have the capacity to break your heart it just shows your confidence that if i entrust my heart to this person this person will care for my heart more than i care for my heart he or she will never break it and that is why swami says your only true friend your only relationship can be swami can be god because god alone can be entrusted with your heart and though he has the capacity to break it into a million pieces will never do it he'll take care of it more than you can take care of it while anyone else will break it and therefore like how we offer our heart only to god so too our respect we should bow down our head only to those things or people or whatever who are worth it rather than for everything all and sundry and give priority to things that are not important in a sense here hanuman is actually expressing his upbringing his culture his nature as a devotee and here mm-hmm. is brahmastra being fired and he very reverentially submits before it and it could be seen as a setback in the journey of hanuman you know here is one there is this pompous prince who has come in front of him and he has managed to capture him Hmm. but for hanuman it's not like that it is like this requires due respect and it should be given but it's just a course in which your life goes where there sometimes may be a dip but we are going to see that how it actually is nothing like you know when hanuman takes that leap there is that push that he gives you know where the peak from which he takes off you kind of squat before you leap it's hmm. almost like that this is like a small dip in his journey in lanka because what we're going to see next is where he is going to come out 
as somebody who has never been seen you know, this kind of the phenomenon has never been seen in lanka all of them are going to have a fear struck so hard in their heart so to start off with you know indrajit binds hanuman and he's taken to ravana's court everybody is amazed at hanuman's attitude because first of all he's a captured prisoner he's amidst as i would say if i'm amidst 100 monkeys or if i'm amidst 100 dogs how scared i would be here is amid so many demons but nothing seems to be affecting him the uh, grandeur and might and glory it is said that the streets of lanka were paved in gold nothing seems to be making his jaw drop in awe nothing seems to be impressing him his head is held high in what people perceive as a kind of arrogance and they wonder from where he is getting the courage to be so arrogant in the presence of ravana so when this happens ravana is also angry and there ensues a dialogue between ravana and hanuman and in the ramkatha rasavahini swami writes that hanuman was so super intelligent see after all if we remember hanuman is a monkey but the lord's grace does such thing that hanuman speaks in such rhetoric and grammar that only ravana can understand swami often says in his discourses how rama has mastered 32 kinds of knowledge whereas ravana has mastered 64 in that language and rhetoric is one and ravana is an expert so the conversation between hanuman and ravana apparently in the court only ravana and hanuman seem to be understanding with a few exceptions possibly but people are amazed with this and though swami has described in the ramkatha rasavahini i sometimes feel that you know having heard swami's discourses later on i sometimes feel that swami has described in the ramkatha rasavahini what a layman could understand from the conversation because the poetry and the magnificence of the conversation i think we have heard swami describe it in his discourses which is so fantastic and stupendous that's why i feel at this point we should shift from ramkatha rasavahini to swami's discourses yeah, absolutely because you know when we are talking about swami delivering the discourse we've studied swami's life uh, you know as a child satyam shyam sundaram you know that swami is a playwright himself swami is an mm. actor himself swami is a performer himself you can really see that coming forth in this you know in the discourses especially when he describes this because as i said so many emotions here is hanuman was coming there he is somebody who has struck terror in the hearts of ravana and his uh, rakshasas hmm. you know so that anger is there that pride is there at the same time here is one who is counseling ravana you know there is a sense of friendliness in his tone he is saying that don't do this why are you bringing ruin on your kingdom in this one and there is he's threatening him you know otherwise this is what will happen all these emotions dear listeners sorry we can't read it out from the ramkatha and bring it out or even in our discussion we cannot portray it the only way we can bring it forth to you is by playing this clip from swami's discourse this is from a discourse that swami delivered on 29th july 1996 it's a beautiful way you know the way swami can recite the poetry is also adds so much beauty to this narration so we'll listen to it directly from swami's voice hanuman to do రావణ యొక్క సభ లోపల కట్టివేసినారు అతన్ని హనుమాన్ వాస్ జస్ట్ టైడ్ అప్ పోస్ట్ ఇన్ ద కోర్ట్ ఆఫ్ రావణ ఎందుకనగా అతన్ని ప్రశ్నించారు ఈ యొక్క రాక్షసులను తక్కువ నీవెవరు ఆల్ దూ చాలా నెమ్మదిగా మితముగా హితముగా చెప్తూ వచ్చాడు దాసోహం కోసలేంద్రశ్చ నేను రామచంద్రుని యొక్క దాసుడను అన్నాడు 
He started giving replies softly and sweetly and gently in a tender way that I am the servant of Ram. Kani lankalo yenaadu kuda nu kothulnu chuchinatunte varu kaadu. There in Lanka no one ever saw any monkey. Lankalo eppudu kuda nu kothulu praveshinchaledu. There were no monkeys there at that time in Lanka. Kanaku andaru kuda nu danni chuttaani gaani vastunnaru. Lopala undinatunte varanta kuda bayatiki vastunnaru. All inhabitants of Lanka came out of the residence ah hanumanthudu kuda gunamanthudu balavanthudu hanumanthudu maha gunamanthudu kanakane ravulniki sariyainatti buddhi cheppalanne uddeshanto veeriki chikku padipoyadu. Anaga chikkukunnadu. Anuman is a one of character and the physical strength and intelligence. He just pretended allowed himself to be arrested. నేను సులభంగా ఈ ఒక దీంతో ప్రవేశించి రావణుకి బుద్ధి చెప్పేటువంటి అవకాశం నాకు లేదు. I cannot safely enter here and teach a lesson to Ravana. మీరు నన్ను పట్టుకొని తీసుకెళ్ళినప్పుడు అప్పుడు నేను రావణుకి డైరెక్ట్ గా బుద్ధి చెప్పవచ్చు అనుకున్నాడు. When they arrest me and take me and place me in front of Ravana I can teach him a lesson. చేతులు కాళ్ళు కట్టారు నడుముకు తాడు చుట్టారు ఈ రావణాసుని సభ లోపల ప్రవేశపెట్టారు ఇస్ హ్యాండ్స్ అండ్ అండ్ లెగ్స్ వర్ టైడ్ అండ్ హి వాస్ టేకెన్ టు ది కోర్ట్ ఆఫ్ రావణ అక్కడికి వెళ్ళేటప్పటికి రావణుడు పై స్థానంలో కూర్చున్నాడు ఈ యొక్క హనుమంతుని కింద కూర్చోబెట్టారు రావణ వాస్ సిట్టింగ్ దేర్ ఇన్ ద కోర్ట్ ఎట్ అన్ ఎగ్జాల్టెడ్ పొజిషన్ హైయర్ లెవెల్ వైల్ హనుమాన్ పడినప్పుడు రామ భంటునైనటువంటి నేను కింద ఉండటమా నా రామునికి అవమానం కదా అని తన తోకను బాగా చుట్టూ 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 పోయి రావణుడి కంటే చాలా పైన పోయి కూర్చున్నాడు హనుమంతుడు హనుమాన్ ఫెల్ట్ లైక్ దిస్ బీంగ్ ద అంబాసిడర్ అండ్ మెసెంజర్ ఆఫ్ రామచంద్ర కెన్ ఐ టేక్ దిస్ సీట్ ఎట్ ఎ లో లెవెల్ నో హీ మేడ్ సెవరల్ సర్కిల్స్ రౌండ్స్ విత్ హిస్ టైల్ అండ్ ఆక్యుపైడ్ హైయర్ లెవెల్ మోర్ దాన్ దట్ ఆఫ్ రావణ రావణుడు అడిగాడు కోతి జాతివి నీవు వనమెల్న చరచితివి నిన్నెవడు పంపించేరా Ravana started asking like this you are a monkey you spoiled the whole forest and the gardens around who sent you here chakkaga artham ayetadu cheptunnadu nee chelle mukku chevulatu koosi pampina yarachadura nannam pera that king who has chopped off cut off the ear and the nose of your sister that very same king has sent me here he sent me here enduku chavani mari prashninchadu ee ravanadu ravanas why did you come here బుద్ధి చెప్పేద రావణ ఈ లంక నీకేలాగుణ బుద్ధి చెప్పేద వినిమునీ వికసద్దుసేకనాధిపలకులు బుద్ధికి నియోచించే చావుకు బద్దుడై తివి పాపమతివై బుద్ధి చెప్పేద రావణ బుద్ధి చెప్పేద రావణ ఈ లంక నీకేలాగుణ I'll certainly teach you a lesson Ravana why why do you need this lanka buddhi cheppeda vinimunivika listen to me listen to me sadhuteyakanaadu palukulu without opening your mouth buddhi listen to me buddhi niyochinchu chaavuku baddudai tivi paapamati vai buddhi cheppeda ravana you committed such a treacherous sin and you are even prepared to die i'll certainly teach you a lesson lokamuna kutallera ee seetamma neeku chudaga tallera Sita is the mother of this entire world she is even your mother Lokamunaku tallera ee seetamma neeku chudaga tallera Sita is the mother of this world and Lokamunaku chi ippudu paatakamu vadi gattukuntivi you have committed this sin yeka sirama meedu siramulu aneka maagaru duntulamulu buddhi cheppeda ravana vilanka nikela ledura durguna with one arrow Rama will behead you you will lose all your 10 heads why do you need this lanka what is this i'll certainly teach you a lesson melani telasinada ee pani neeku kida ni teliyaleda 
don't you understand that this will suddenly put to you to ruin don't you understand walamuna galchitri manchi aalayam vajrala medalu nee lavarnamune chesi nee puri nemmadigane poi vacheda buddhi cheppeda ravana i'll put all your palaces of precious gems and precious stones i'll put them to fire and then leave this place padithalalunde tiru nee vippudu chese darbaru chudu you have got 10 heads you just observe the court you have convened idikadane chudavalanani indrajittu jeta jikiti padipade neekela cheppudu pranamulu nee sommuga adura buddhi cheppeda ravana i allowed myself to be caught by indrajit so that i could enter into this court so that i can teach kavalanne nee oka kumaradani indrajit cheta nenu chikkanu endukosam neeku buddhi cheppalanu nenu ochchanu purposefully i allowed myself to be caught by indrajit so that i can see you and see your mar kuda నీ కామాంధుడై లోకమాత అయినటువంటి సీతను కూడా నువ్వు నీవు మాతలుగా నీవు భావించుకోకుండా నీవు ఆమెను హింస పెడుతున్నావు ఓ వికెట్ మ్యాన్ యు హ్ ఫర్గోట్ ఇన్ ద ఫ్యాక్ట్ దట్ సీత ఇస్ యువర్ మదర్ యువర్ హామింగ్ హర్ యువర్ హృదయమైనటువంటి వాంఛ కోసమని పవిత్రమైనటువంటి జీవితాన్ని పాడు చేసుకుంటున్నావు ఫర్ దిస్ లో డిజాయర్ ఏ మీన్ డిజాయర్ what happened to your intelligence nee tapasshakti ekkada poyindi what happened to the power of your penance nee bujabalam ekkada poyindi what happened to your physical nee mano indriyam lekunda undinatvanti vaadu nee putti prayojanam emiti with all the mind and senses what is the fun of this birth nee rajukal you are not the king nee elanti vaadu ga untalu raju indriyamlo nikrahinchinatvanti vaadu raju ga untundali you can only be king if only you have got control over your sense jinni prajala kanta kuda nu chakka ga bodhinchetunte vaadiga untundali you should be in a position to teach your people ga untundali you should be ideal adi ye manavatvaniki taginatunte keerthi that is only good name to human life kanuka nee vividhanga cheyatam chaala tappu annadu it's a big mistake you should not act like this kaani ravanudu ee kopanu bharinchukoleka kotiki toka ante chaala ishtam Ravana was very furious as you know every monkey like its own tail tana jump ku tana bumps ku anniti kuda tokane chaala aadharam for the bumps and the jumps is the tail that is the key for the monkey kanaki ee tokaku agge betti pampincheseyandi annadu therefore he said this the tail on to fire ani murkulu amayakulu danahinulu kevalam rakshasulu variki emi teliyadu తోకకు బాగా బట్టలు చుట్టి 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 పాత బట్టలంతా దాని కీర్సన్ లో అద్ది అంటించి పంపించారు దే కలెక్టెడ్ ద క్లాత్ ఫుల్ ఆఫ్ కెరోసిన్ అండ్ టైడ్ అప్ రౌండ్ ద టైల్ అండ్ పుట్ ఇట్ ఆన్ ఫైర్ ఎవరి కర్మలు వారికే కలుసుకుని వస్తుంటాయి ఈచ్ వన్ విల్ హ్యావ్ టు ఫేస్ వన్ భవింపక ఏరికైనను తప్పునన్న can anyone escape from ye tiru evaru cheppagalaru anubhavinchuta siddhamanna can anyone escape from the consequences of one's own actions be ready be prepared to face the ramulantati vaadu ramana seetanu baachi paamaruni vali yechenanna ravana committed such a blunder in a sin he cried ultimately pandavulu aakulalu mulimesi adavi paalai poiranna pandavas had to eat the leaves and tubers and spend the time karma nekundi tappindi kaadu you cannot escape from karma ne motta motta mana manchi karmalu cheyataniki prayatinchali therefore you should make every effort to do good action yakshi karmalo atti phalamu as is the action so is the reward yakindiyo atti trepu as is the food so is the bed yakindiyo atti rotte as is the floor so is the barn well so that was the exchange that takes place which has been summarized in the ramkatara savahini oswami also spoke very powerfully on the concept of karma on how every action has a reaction and there is no way you can escape 
and that is what we will see happens to the poor people poor i mean i am saying in terms of my sympathy for them because they try to set a monkey's tail on fire in kannada you know we have this quote which says kapikel manakya kottange which means you don't hand over jewelry to a monkey Mm-hmm. but i think worse than handing over jewelry to a monkey is handing over a knife to the monkey because it becomes a danger that is exactly what they are doing over here you know hanuman in fact in his uh, statement to ravana he says you mend your ways else i am going to burn down the entire lanka as swami often says in his discourses vinashakale viprita buddhi when the time of destruction draws near your brain becomes dimwitted that is what seems to be happening for to ravana because first he says the least he can do is respect this emissary because he is a messenger from rama and also if not anything else you have seen what he is capable of he has trounced your whole army is there single handedly you know with a twig he has smashed you to smithereens at least respect him for that instead of that this vinashakale viprita buddhi what ravana orders that hanuman be beheaded and killed because he is speaking so arrogantly in fact uh, what also happens is as swami mentioned you know hanuman thinks why ravana is at this height i can also be at a greater height hanuman actually begins to make coils from his tail and makes a pyramid by coiling his tail and sits on top of the pyramid and he is at a level that is higher than ravana because he feels ravana should look up to me so he says ravana should look up to me and because i am ramabantu and uh, this is what happens when ravana decides to behead hanuman that is when vibhishana gets up and says no brother this is not right thing to do you know politically and dharmically this is a not a right thing to do because he is a messenger and ravana agrees to that and that's why he says we will not harm him but we will maim him maybe we will just uh, injure his pride injure him a bit make fun of him and then send him back that's why he says he gives the order to light the tail you know the other thought which i got at that point in time is see ravana is not an ordinary person swami has said it so many times in his discourses apart from his academic and uh, uh, intellectual prowess and his physical might you know prem i was just doing a google search there are almost about 20 temples dedicated to ravana in india itself mm-hmm. you know various things because before he got into this negative thing negative thing kidnapping women or doing all this actually his might his splendor his glory is amazing you know ravana is an example to show what one bad quality can do swami would often say that duryodhana had greed lobha ravana had kama desire that kama single handedly brought down ravana from a status of a god to a demon and you know while kama brought ravana from god to demon rama took hanuman from animal to god that is the difference between rama and kama and swami would say in his discourses that ravana suffered because of kama alone nowadays man has kama krodha loba moha madamacharya what will be the fate you know that is why the satsai avatar came with the most powerful weapon of love to transform because there is no way otherwise each one of us is worse than ravana so why i am telling this is if ravana is worshiped in so many temples in india he is no ordinary being he is a great exalted being but the exalted being who slipped a bit and even such an exalted being has to look up to a monkey only because the monkey is rama's monkey is rama's duta i feel that is most important for us to enshrine because like ravana how much ever educated how much ever intelligent how much ever powerful we are it doesn't matter but like hanuman if we have our sai naam our swami's name enshrined in us we have the entire universe with us 
we have peace we have solace we have confidence we have might we have everything we have nothing to worry we can lead life happily <laughs> i think that is the lesson we have to take true and in and there's another point which swami mentions in the ramakatha raswani where he says that hanuman reminds ravana of his duel with vali hmm. almost like striking him where it hurts most you know because that's one place where ravana is lost and his pride was hurt where he loses a duel with vali and uh, hanuman reminds him you know when he first laughs at hanuman looks at hanuman and laughs at him for his appearance saying that monkey Itajaya, I belong to the same monkey clan from where Wali comes to whom you lost. You remember he put and you under his armpit. <laughs> right. And I remember that you are the same Ravana who lost to him. And uh, of course, in the Ramkata Swam, beautifully Swami says that, you know, here is probably Hanuman does not enter the court of Ravana as a regular emissary would. He is, was captured and gone in. But once there, he starts playing the role of a good emissary. You know, he starts giving him good counsel. He says that, why do you want to bring ruin and he reminds him, you're the grandson of Brahma himself. You know, you belong to the noble race of Pulastya. And you... Pulastya is a sage, right? Right, Pulastya is a sage. I think, uh, as we said, I mean, Pulastya's one son is Kubera and the second wife's son is Ravana. And that's how, you know, he belongs to the race of a sage. That's how when he reminds him that, you know, you're the great grandson of Brahma himself. Why do you want to bring such ruin? And... Uh, Definitely, in many ways, Hanuman would have felt that here is somebody who has built such a great kingdom. And he reminds him of that. You know, you have people to take care of. You have people who look up to you. Don't bring such ruin. And tells him that, you know, you saw what I could do single-handedly to your kingdom. And don't bring more ruin. Come and fall at the feet of Rama and, uh, you know, plead forgiveness and uh, return Mother Sita. And not only this, actually, Hanuman also gives a good explanation for his actions. He says, see Ravana, you yourself are calling me monkey. I am a monkey. And my natural food is fruits. So I was just going about my natural habitat. I was going on the trees and eating fruits. Then when somebody comes to harm me, it is again natural that I defend myself. Whatever I have done is in self-defense. I have not attacked you. I have not attacked anybody in your kingdom. I have not done anything. Whatever I have done till now is in self-defense. Because somebody came to harm me. And you know that it's an inbuilt instinct in all of us that when somebody comes to harm us, we hit back in self-defense. So therefore, you have nothing to hold against me because I have not attacked anyone. I am not the aggressor. I am not. I have not committed any sin. Actually, that is the truth. That is logic. In that sense, there is nothing to condemn Hanuman for because all he did was in self-defense. So now he has to be freed also because he was not the aggressor. But instead of that, Ravana decides to bind him put his tail on fire and parade him through the city where he wants everyone to jeer at Hanuman and mock at him. But as Swami says, you can't escape the consequences of karma. What you sow, so shall you reap. That is what is going to happen to Lanka. And I feel, so possibly this would be a good point to stop our narrative and continue from the same point next week. What does Hanuman do with his tail set on fire? Absolutely. And much love and gratitude we offer this humble effort of ours at Swami's Lotus Feet. So, dear listeners, do join us again next week. Till we meet you next time, this is Arvind from Team Radio Sai with Prem from Team Radio Sai.
Sairam. You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind. The discussion was on the Ramkatha Raswahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st January 2016. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, you can send us your feedback by either email or WhatsApp. Our email ID is listener at radiosai.org, and our WhatsApp number is nine three nine three two five eight two five eight. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Singh Lam.